CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's Afternoon's broadcast of To Every Man and Answer. Live radio, everyone. If you want to call in, you can uh, you can uh, use that number of 8888-ASK-CSN as we get together this time each and every weekday afternoon, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events, and what we hear in church isn't even in the Bible at all. And again, of course, if you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand, or Maybe someone's asked you a question. That's why we like to make ourselves available for you each and every weekday afternoon at this time, live radio. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. Joining me today, special guest featured CSN speaker comes on an hour before, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South OC, South Orange County, uh, down by San Clemente. Hi. Hey, can can you hear me out there? (laughs) Yes, we can. Oh, good. God bless you, brother. Great to be with you today on this program. Had some technical things, but man, we are fighting through the spiritual warfare, and we're here today with the CSN family. Amen. Looking forward to answering some questions with you. What do you think of the movie, uh, uh, Jesus Revolution? I loved it, Mike. We packed out uh, four theaters. I mean, people are into it, man. And it was just great to see some of that, and it reminded me of some of my childhood growing up. Uh, and and just just excited to have that heritage of Calvary Chapel and be reminded of that and how we teach the word. So so encouraged and blessed by it. I was inspired. Amen. Um, back in the day, uh, I actually I actually was at Calvary Chapel uh, when uh, in that tent that's in the picture. Maybe not the exact same tent, of course. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, I talked to Jeff Smith. They don't know whatever happened to the tent. I don't know what happened to it. It, it, it vanished, but um, uh, but it was a great place and a great time of ministry, and and uh, look forward to uh, seeing what God's going to do with all of us in these days to come. Because again, that um, Jesus Revolution continues on in the hearts of the believers today, and so we just want to encourage you. Uh, I think you'll be blessed if you have a chance to watch that movie. Uh, I think this is the last week for many. Uh, showings of it in the different movie houses, but I I was very blessed as I went and saw it. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Brandy on the line in Idaho. Hi and welcome. Hello. Um, my question is, so if you're talking about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and you're saying, like, God gave his only son, Jesus gave his life, and I have the Holy Spirit living in me, um, would it be he loves me or they love me? Well, Jesus is the one that died for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. Jesus was the token of the Father's great love for all of humanity. And the open invitation is, again, and God chose everyone to be in his kingdom. He said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves the world. Now, a lot of people, even though God's chosen them, they haven't chosen God. John, your thoughts? Well, I think uh, it's a good question that you ask, Brandy. I, I would refer, he is, God is one. 
Elohim, the, the plural form there in Genesis, but he is one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So when you're referring to him, you're referring to him. God loves you. And, you know, it's, Mike, it's one of those things, you know, sometimes people ask, trying to understand the Trinity, how do you describe it? What kind of pronouns do we use, you know, for God? He, he is who he is. He is God, and he loves us, and God died for us. But we find Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but these three are one. And so you can refer to him as he loves you or he died for you. But we, God knows what you're referring to. Um, and I just, just sometimes people get confused with that. Mike. In fact, I was even asked a question this week by a young person. When I'm praying, do I pray to the Father? Do I pray to the Son? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? What do I say? And am I accurate? And what's the best way to pray? And it's kind of that similar thing. God understands. He knows. And um, these three are one. Amen. And so I believe, again, this is why we want to always look at, and again, uh, it, they're, they're not three separate, completely separate individuals. They're all tied together. And exactly right. how the Trinity works, honestly, I don't understand it myself, this mm-hmm. side of heaven. But I know someday when we see him, we'll understand face to face. I've heard it explained as like an egg. You have the shell, you have the white part, you have the yolk. They're all egg. They're all interreliant upon one another. Yet the shell is not really the yolk, and the yolk is not really the shell, but we all call it an egg. But even at that, Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was in the express image of the Father. Now, are those are there are those that come along and say, Well, there is no Heavenly Father, there is no Holy Spirit. It's just Jesus only, this oneness doctrine that is not scriptural. In fact, as we shared yesterday, in Second John, in the Epistles of John, First John, two twenty-two, it says, "He that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist." Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty blatant. Uh, so, understanding this great God that we serve, and again, how He manifests different ways. Now, even in the name of God, we find different aspects of God in the Old Testament. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah-Tissit-Canoe. We have all these different names of God in the Old Testament, all revealing part of his character, part of his personality. But yet, as we understand and we look at the fullness of who God is, we find Jesus, the voice from heaven as he was baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Brandy, I hope that answers it for you. Yes, and I also had another question. Um, So I have this friend... She has these recurring dreams of the same um, entity, this demon-like thing. And every time she has—sometimes she can say Jesus, sometimes she can't. Is there something you should uh, recommend besides maybe praying over her, that to, um, or could you pray over her, for um, her to not have these dreams anymore? Because she—or if she could, like, do something before she goes to bed that besides—I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? Okay, John, your thoughts. Well, I think it's important to pray over her. And I find also, you know, Brandy, when we're attacked, that we, even Jesus was confronted by the devil. And Jesus, every time he used scripture, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And so I would love to pray over your friend. And I think I would encourage her to read the scriptures before she goes to bed. Some of those passages that are powerful, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Thinking about some of those passages of scripture and and meditating on those. And then as you go to sleep, just praying, God, just give me a peaceful night's rest. You know, the Bible says that he gives his beloved rest. And so I think that's important to pray for. Her. No weapon formed against her shall prosper, Mike. She's the Lord's, 
and, uh, and God has his hand on her. Amen. Father, we just ask you that you would give wisdom to Brandy and her friends, Lord, how to best grow more deeply in love with you. Father, that you'd bind any evil spirits. Lord, that you would lose your heart in them to be able to fully represent you in this world as we live in it each and every day. And so may you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Brandy, stay on the line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, the movie Jesus, okay? All right. Thank you. God bless you, and thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Ken in Illinois. Hi, and welcome. Hey, uh, yes, um, I've got a question. There is a gentleman who called, called himself a Christian, went to church every Sunday, was involved with the pro-life movement, and uh, behind his wife's back, he would, at three of his daughters, he would um, sexually assault them or rape them. Mm-hmm. And um, it appears from that he, he was, he denied this or whatever, that he was, you know, he would deny it if he was asked this. And he died recently. And I just kind of wonder, is he someone who, is he someone, would he, is he going to go to hell or is he going to go to heaven? Well, you know, I'm not the judge. Um, John's not the judge. We know a person can be forgiven of anything if they'll ask. But it sounds like there wasn't a lot of repentance going on here. Your thoughts, John? I would agree with you, Mike. I mean, there's probably more details to the story. And without hearing everything else, if you're just saying this man committed these sins, here's the thing. Uh, if you're doing those things, um, that, that's not what a Christian does. So I would question, first of all, your Christianity. You can claim to know Jesus, but, and you could say, I even believe in God. But the Bible tells us in the book of James that even the demons believe and they tremble. So it's not enough to just say, I believe in Jesus. What will follow is the actions of a believer, the fruit of a believer's life, the fruits of the Spirit. And what you just described to us looks nothing like what the Bible says a Christian would live like. So I would question his Christianity. Now, whether is he actually saved or not, as Mike said, only Jesus is the judge. But what you just described to me does not describe a Christian, uh, Ken. So I hope that helps. Amen. Uh, yeah, because, w- you know, there's no way to, to know what his final thoughts were, all those different things. Uh, if this finally got resolved out of his life, I don't know. But, but um, you know, we look at the thief on the cross, uh, and, um, you know, we, we really we really see that uh, God's grace will be extended to anyone, even up to the last minute, if we'll ask. Unfortunately, uh, most people who become cast in their sin—in other words, they became—they they become complacent in their lifestyle, die in that way, and they're lost forever and punished forever for their sins. And so, all needlessly, because this is why Jesus died on the cross. Mm-hmm. So, Ken, uh, I hope mm-hmm. that gives some 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 encouragement there. That that again, uh, that's why we. Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. I believe that's so important. Hope that helps. You, you know what, Mike? I was going to mention one other thing. And Ken, it just as we were, as Pastor Mike was talking, reminded that passage of Scripture where Jesus said, if somebody causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and it was thrown into the depths of the sea. God, God takes very seriously the grooming or the hurting of little children. He said, such is the kingdom of heaven. He takes it very seriously. 
And so just another aspect of, of the words that Jesus spoke concerning children and his care for those who are vulnerable and need to be protected. And my prayer would be for these actual young ones, whatever age they are now, and what they have to live with and what they have to go through, that God would heal their hearts um, through what they've experienced, Mike. Amen. So important in these days we live in. Ken, I hope that helps. Thank you. God bless you. Stay in line. Send you a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. Great for evangelism. Share them with your friends. Get them back. Lend them out again. You never know how God will use those in the most supernatural way. 8888, ask CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. We have Joshua on the line, Corpus Christi, Texas. Hi and welcome. I don't know. I don't hear Josh anywhere. Uh, part of what we know about the question that he was asking is, is what does the Bible say about loosing and uh, binding uh, things on heaven, you know, binding it in heaven, binding it on earth? Your thoughts, John? Well, that passage of Scripture, Mike, comes from Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, when it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it appears, Mike, that in this verse, Jesus is speaking directly to the Apostle Peter and indirectly to the other apostles. Jesus' words meant that Peter, he has the right to enter the kingdom himself and that he would have general authority symbolized by the possession of the keys and that preaching the gospel would by that means opening up the kingdom of heaven to all believers. And um, the book of Acts shows us that process. I think about the day of Pentecost and Peter was actually given that opportunity to open up, as it were, the kingdom to all those who were gathered around on the day of Pentecost. And he preached so boldly the message of the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and how one can have salvation. And the doors were opened up as a result of of the ministry of Peter there with the other apostles. And Jesus tells them this um, beforehand, that that would take place. So I hope that that, uh, hope that answers it for you. And uh, again, um, I'm sorry we lost your call there, but thanks for leaving that much information, and we're able to get that to you. Let's go to Mary, Austin, Texas. Hi, and welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Good. How may we help? Well, I wanted to ask you, I'm not asking you a question. I wanted you to pray with me today and glorify my Heavenly Father, because seven years ago, uh, my son was married, has been married to the same woman Actually, he's the only one in our family that stayed married to the same woman for 20-something years. And uh, seven years ago, he he started going to church. He was lost. You know, he was a prescription um, addict, you know, for pain. He fell off a cliff, and he was just so hard to live with. And we, my daughter-in-law, we just kept hanging on there and hanging in there, and we just loved him and loved him every day. And then one day he told me he, he started going to church, and I said, great, you know, and he lived in San Marcos, and so I used, he used to invite me over there, and he was studying a lot, and then one day he invited me to go, and he was lost, but he was such a good father to his three children. I mean, he just loved them so much, and and his wife, too, and, you know, he invited me to go, and that day, they were all baptized, and I was just like, what? I was so like happy, but I was just, I thought I was dreaming. And I just want to glorify the Lord and I want to share 
with people that are going through that, what I went through with my son, not to ever give up and just love them and never stop loving them because God breaks he breaks through things that we just never think he could. I never thought my son would ever do that. And his entire family moved to Arkansas about seven years ago. They're, they joined the church over there. When he left here, the people had his church didn't want him to leave. He was so powerful in the Lord. I, 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 every time I go visit him, I'm just so blessed. They talk about the Lord all the time and tell me about scriptures. And they just, it's, <laughs> their whole world is the Lord. Wow. Well, that's wonderful, dear. I mean, God does amazing things. God's still in the miracle-working business. You know, people say, well, the miracles ceased with the apostles. Don't ever believe that for one minute. Here's why. The miracles did not start in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. They're all the way through the Bible. The only thing that made it different, Acts chapter 2, in the Old Testament at sundry times, there was the Elijahs and the Elishas and the Moseses. Now God's given his Holy Spirit to anyone who will ask, not as a reward for being a good Christian, but simply a gift because God loves us. Your thoughts, John? Well, Mary, I just want to say praise God with you for that great testimony about your son who was prodigal but came back to the Lord. I'm so glad the prodigal uh, son story is in the Bible. And many of us can relate to that story, how, hey, listen, if you got people who you think, are they ever going to come to Christ? Don't stop praying. Keep believing. And Mary, your testimony is one that I'm sure will encourage many of our listeners today, because all of us know people that we want to see come to Jesus. And the Lord has ways. And we thank you for that testimony, and we rejoice with you today. Amen. And that's such a wonderful, wonderful testimony, dear, of God's magnificent power. Father, thank you for answering Mary's prayer. We ask you to keep your hand upon her son, her family, and Lord, use them in great and mighty ways for your kingdom. And Lord, that you would give encouragement right now to every parent that has wayward children, that there is hope in you for a great redemption in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, thank you so much for the encouragement and the call, okay? Thank you. Stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, the movie Jesus. Great for uh, letting your family watch them as well. Let's go to Sandy, Montana. Hi and welcome. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. How may we help? I need uh, prayer. I've been dealing with more health situations. Like I've said before, I was in a hospital in January, and I just got out about a week ago. Uh, last month, and um, I don't know what is going on. It seems like since we moved into this new place, I have been nothing but sick from the end of December up until this present day. I have had more health situations since we built this new place and built it, moved into it, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the place is demon-possessed or what. I don't know, but I don't want to have surgery. I don't want to go back to the hospital. I need the Lord to bless me with a new life. Well, we'll certainly pray, Sandy, that God will heal you up. You know, if there's something there that's making you sick, I think uh, I think you might see if you can figure out what that might be. Um, certainly, you might have some kind of an allergy, being you've just moved into a different area. Uh, maybe there's a plant, a weed, or something like that that's 
that's causing an allergy or a reaction, you might look around at that. John, your thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm not sure what the cause is, but I do hear the request, Mike. And I think, you know, we serve a God who heals and he is able. And I never want to doubt that God could heal and that he is able to heal. And so he says, you have not because you ask not. And Sandy, it would be our privilege to cry out with you and all of our CSN family, their listeners, they're going to be praying too. Imagine all of these prayers going up right now, just asking God to touch you and heal your body. And so Mike, I'd love to pray for Sandy, if that's okay with you. Okay, let, let, why don't you pray for her? All right, Sandy, we're going to pray for you now, and our family's going to join us. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you know exactly yes, what's going on in Sandy's body. You know what the condition is. You know the cause. And Lord, you are the God who heals. And Lord, we believe that you still heal today. And Lord, you healed from a distance. You healed up close. Lord, you spoke a word, and you healed. You're the same God. Lord, you said that signs and wonders would follow the preaching of the gospel. Lord, we preach the gospel, and we're asking in Jesus' name today that you would reach Sandy there in Montana. You would touch her body. You would heal her. You would strengthen her. God, we know that you're able, and so we lift her up to you today, God, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's good, dear, and we'll see what God will do. Sandy, um, we'll just be praying. Please let us know how it goes. Stay online, send you out some books, some DVDs, and uh, the movie Jesus for you, okay? Thank you. God bless you, dear, and um, our prayers are with you. Let's go to Rob Carson. No, excuse me. Uh, Rob Carson City, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Yeah, hi. I've been going to a large church since early 2000s, and around Christmas they decided for the first time to bring in Santa and Mrs. Santa. And um, I didn't think a whole bunch about it. But now here at Easter, they're talking about dropping 2,500 Easter eggs out of a helicopter in a large park nearby. And I'm just wondering, is that biblical? Is that something I need to worry about? Or is this just a sign of the times? Yeah, your thoughts, John. Oh, thank you, Mike, for giving me that question. I, I want to give you, know, you some good ones. <laughs> thank you. Well, Rob, I, I understand your concern. You know, I, I think um, I, I think the emphasis on that particular day, especially the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, should not be on eggs or bunnies, but on the risen Christ. I mean, this is the most important emphasis. And I think sometimes uh, churches, maybe because they want to get people in or they want to do these certain things, they, they, they uh, go through these certain things. I, for me, at this point in my life, my walk with the Lord, I, I, don't, I, don't get, I don't freak out when I see these things happening. Uh, personally, for us, we don't do the Easter egg hunt here. We, we just want to emphasize, if your family wants to do that, or you want to do it that your kids at home, that's great. We're here to emphasize one thing and one thing only, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which validates our salvation. And so for me, that would be the emphasis. Again, I don't judge people if they want to do that. That's between them and Jesus. But as for me and my house, this is what we're going to emphasize. And certainly in the church, we're going to emphasize the risen Savior. And so that would be my, I think it's a personal preference, Mike, but my preference is to emphasize the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. And uh, I believe that's so important in the days we're in. Rob, I think it's always an endeavoring thing of every church, every Christian, and every pastor to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm. And not to be disrespectful to God in that he's a thing, 
but to keep the focus on where it's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I realize that's very, very hard, especially in a secularized world, especially when there's so many churches that have been secularized and, and well, we're just doing what everybody else does. Now, I do believe you can take things that are basically a pagan idea and use it for evangelism in that Paul, when he went to Mars Hill, he didn't say, oh, you guys are all a bunch of pagan weirdos. You, you know, you're, you're all crazy. He said, I see you're all very religious people. He says, you got all these statues here to all your different gods. And he says, you have one here to the unknown God. This is the one I want to tell you about. And so I do believe in bridge building. I think it's a good thing. Paul did that there. All the way through the New Testament, you'll see where Paul was a bridge builder. But we want to be careful that we never lose the innocency of the gospel. Now, I don't think an Easter egg is going to cause the innocency of the gospel to go away. Um, I think there are those that can take it that way. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that was the intent of the pastor of the church. So I think mm-hmm. we have to be careful in 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 how we reach out. Um, but again, I I I would just I would just caution people on being too overjudgmental on certain things but Agreed. uh but we we have to be careful because again uh it's when the gospel is denied in reaching out in the easter eggs uh, that it's just a doctor feel good show uh that's where i would say this is where the problem so on that day on easter whether they're dropping uh easter eggs out or rolling them out on a blanket I would want to hear what the message is for that group of people. If you don't hear anything about repent and be baptized, if you don't hear anything about coming to Christ, that Jesus Christ loves you and died for you, if it's all just put Jesus in your pocket and climb to the top, because from now on at this church, I'm going to be your life coach, and I'm going to just give you really inspirational sermons. I'm going to give you motivational speaking each and every week to meet those challenges. I would probably run at that point, because that is not the gospel. Hope that helps, Rob. It does. Thank you. Appreciate it. Stay online, and uh, we'll send you out some books, DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. And with that, we're coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want anybody to go away. When we come back, we have Sandy, Mary, Rob, Cortez, and Jim. And we're going to try to get to all of you on the other side of the break. So we'll be right back right after these messages. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare, and Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people my experience has been. MediShare has been fantastic for me yeah it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways honestly yeah and see a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction they're very very happy with it and it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money i would tell people look into it yep uh so really for reals uh if you want to talk to them they're great to talk to i think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it so um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Yeah. Okay. Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 
855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. This is Dan Steiner, president of Preborn Ministries. 2022 is the best year ever for saving preborn babies in America. Your support of preborn in 2022 allowed us together to reach over 111,000 women in our network clinics across the country. And over 53,000 of these women chose life for their babies through ultrasound. That's 53,000 babies saved last year, even better. Over 10,000 of these women prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. And in the process, preborn has trained over 1,600 evangelists volunteers in our network clinics in America's top abortion cities. What you and Preborn have done together is populating earth and heaven with babies who have lost their lives and women who now have eternal life. This is my personal thank you and my promise that together you and Preborn will save even more lives and souls in 2023. God bless you. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County. And we're going to go right back to the phones. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And with us, we have Cortez, St. Louis, Missouri. Hi and welcome. Oh, yes, sir. How are you doing? So my question Good. is, uh, my, my, wife, my wife and I, we've been discussing uh, a lot lately uh, about the stars that's in the sky. Now, back in the days, we, we would notice that there are a lot of skies. I mean, the, the, the sky used to be just littered, littered with stars. But lately here, I want to say probably within the last, I want to say year or so, year and a half maybe, we've noticed that there are re- re- really very little stars in the sky. We can almost count them. Back then, we couldn't really count them. And I just wanted to know, is that one of the signs that Jesus Christ is to return? No, I don't believe so. I believe what happens. I remember in in southern Idaho, I used to be able to see all the stars too. But as there's more and more people, dairies, uh, these different things with natural, I mean, uh, man-made lighting, it drowns out the lights. Now, as an example, if you're in Hawaii, like as an example on the big island, uh, it is just loaded with stars. I mean, so many stars, it's unbelievable because the uh, light is... Uh, very minimal. And then also you have the ocean, which really soaks up a lot of the light as well. So you, you really see a, 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 some amazing things, but I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about because I remember again, Southern Idaho, uh, 20 years ago, man, it was full of stars, but now as more and more development comes, more and more light going up in the sky, uh, yard lights, you name it, headlights, a car, whatever it is, uh, it just rounds out the lights, uh, the starlight. And uh, it's sad because, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. But, you know, when it gets all mucked up, it's hard to see. Your thoughts, John? Well, I'll tell you one thing I love about the stars uh, is that the Bible tells us in Psalm 147, verse 4, that our God counts the number of stars and he calls them all by name. How big is our God, Mike, that he, he knows where every star is, even the ones that we can't see, and he knows them by name. And the Bible says he flung them out into existence, which is just amazing to me. And I'm uh, so amazed at the greatness of our God and the heavens declaring the glory of the Lord. 
Amen. So, but I would say that's what it is. And uh, there's no mention of anything like that. Now, the Bible does say that the stars will, will um, not be shining, of course, because of the debris in the upper atmosphere. I believe this is one of the reasons why uh, the sun rays are blotted out. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, as far as, as um, stars, they're still around very much. It's just that you got to be an extremely, extremely dark night to see him. And of course, full moon nights, you don't see much of stars anyway. I tried to see that uh, green comet. I, I, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. But <laughs> again, too much natural or artificial light here on the ground. Hope that helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it. Let's go to Jim Phoenix. Hi and welcome. Yeah, hi, pastors. Thank you for all you do. Hey, I was just reading Proverbs 8, and it's talking wisdom. And it almost sounds like wisdom was there when the earth was created, the heavens were created, and next to God. Is that a reference to Jesus Christ? What do you think, John? Well, I think it's a uh, reference to, uh, well, Solomon basically writing the Proverbs here, and he's referring to wisdom, talking about wisdom, and I love how he personifies it and says that it cries out, and lifts up its voice, and he actually likens it to a woman calling out, understanding her voice, and I don't think that this is Jesus speaking, but I do think that Jesus is the embodiment of all wisdom. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I love the Proverbs, and I love that the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he gives liberally to all who ask. So I, I believe that, again, um, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, in John fourteen six, the truth and the life. In, in wisdom, we have truth. And so I believe, yes, that Jesus is that truth, is that wisdom. But I do believe what we're finding there is just the the heart of God crying out to individuals so that they would know what wisdom is, they would know what truth is. And I hope that helps. It does. Thanks so much. It was just kind of curious on how, you know, the reference was. Well, Jim, thanks so much for the call. Stay online. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I think you'll enjoy. With that, we'll go to Bobby, Carson City, Nevada. Hi and welcome. Hello. Hi. How may we help? Hi. Hi. I have a question about the Ezekiel War. You know, I read 38 and 39, and I, I you know, I, um, how far do you, your opinion, Pastor, that that if we're still here, will we go into that? Well, it, no doubt the Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine war. And for those that are listening, going, what is that? The Bible makes an unusual prediction that says Russia, combined with the old Persian Empire, which is Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan, coupled with the states around the Balkan Sea, also Turkey and Russia, will come against Israel in the last days, the land of the unwalled villages. Now, just up to a couple hundred years ago, if you didn't have a wall around your city, you didn't have any defense. 
But as modern warfare progressed, walls then all of a sudden, rather than being a defensive weapon, became a hindrance if you had to flee the city. And so we have unwalled villages. So we know that this prophecy very clearly is in the last days. They come to take a spoil. They want money. They want resources. They want the goods. Now, when we understand how broke Russia is, when we understand really that Israel is kind of a pearl there, they've got the minerals of the Dead Sea, they have one of the largest finds of natural gas off the coast of of Israel found. Uh, they're the fourth largest exporter of fruit to Europe. Uh, all this from this little tiny country that is so rich. And they've come to take a spoil, the Bible says. Now, when they make their move, these countries, this coalition makes their move, no one comes to Israel's defense. Not the United States, not England, no one. And the Bible says God's fury arises in his face, and he destroys five-sixths of this invading army. Now, a couple of big points. Number one, this is going to devastate, I believe, a lot of Russia. Uh, what they haven't already lost with their war with Ukraine, this will probably finish them off. Number two is we know that they are going to say, Allah will deliver us, uh, uh, will deliver Israel into our hands. And they get decimated. Five, six of the invading army is destroyed. And the Bible says the cache of weapons is so great. They burn these weapons, probably the fuel oil for the tanks, all these different things. Butt stocks off the AKs. Who knows? It says they'll be burning them for seven years as fuel. So it's going to be a major war. I do believe that they will, the Arab world will be disillusioned because of Allah did not deliver Israel into their hands. I believe this may in part set the stage for the Antichrist to bring about the Chrislam, the coexist religion, as he unites the world with a one-world religion. Of course, one-world religion, one-world politics, one-world order, one-world everything. That's what he's going to do. Save face. He's gonna. He's gonna help help uh, give him back uh, some credibility again. Uh, this is what I believe. One of the things he's going to do. But one of the things we do know is that I do believe that it could be while the church is still here, and it could be uh, sometime before the tribulation period. I do not believe it is uh, into the tribulation period this happens, because Ezekiel 39 says they burn the weapons for seven years. Now, when Jesus comes back, his foot touches the Mount of Olives, it splits in two, he sets up his thousand-year reign, I don't see, and by the way, the Bible says he makes the earth new again, like it was back in the Garden of Eden. I, I can't see uh, Israel burning fossil fuels and butt stocks and who knows what else is in that cache of weapons that they burned for seven years into the millennial reign of Christ. Remember, the tribulation is only seven years long. So if this Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine war, let's say, transpires in the... the uh, a first or second year of the tribulation period, that means they're going to be burning weapons and stuff into the first or second year of the millennial reign of Christ. I don't see that happening. 
Whether the church is here, I don't know. Whether the, whether the Lord takes us home, and this is one of the catalysts that bring about the one world order, very possibly. But I do know this. Work for the night is coming, as Jesus said, when no one can work. Your thoughts, John? Well, Mike, I tell you what, it's, uh, it's amazing to me to see a lot of these nations now coming together and forming coalitions, coming alongside of one another, seeing them. It's almost like the puzzle pieces are coming together and the picture is coming together. Everything that God said is it's moving. I feel like we're getting closer and closer to Ezekiel 38 coming to pass. Again, we don't, like you said, we don't exactly know when it is, but boy, it's amazing to see as these countries are just coming together and all for one purpose to get again, to come against Israel. You know, we're getting ready to leave for Israel. And it's amazing to be in that Holy Land and just know that all around them, their enemies are, are surrounding them. But ultimately, God's going to deliver them. But Mike, I think we're closer to Ezekiel 38 than we've ever been. But when it is, I'm not sure. I just know it's going to happen. Amen. And we do know the Bible says that it will be in the last days. And the Bible tells us the motive why they're coming to take a spoil. Hope that helps, Bobby. Oh, it does. Praise the Lord, because I know he's coming. I'm looking for the upper taker. (laughs) Amen. we got to be looking for the upper taker. That's good. We'll stay on the line, Bobby. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Great for evangelism. Share them with your friends. Let's go to Julie, Wenatchee, Washington. Hi, and welcome. Hi. I just wondered what you thought about other life forms that have been visiting this earth, and if you thought it would be uh, arrogant as human beings to possibly think that God didn't create many throughout the galaxy. Um, Second of all, I wondered what your take is on um, the word sentinel in the Bible and the reference to any human beings that may be living nowadays. Okay, well, first of all, Julie, very quickly— I, I don't believe personally there's life on other planets. I, I just don't. In all the money that they've spent going to Mars, the uh, spacecraft, taking pictures, we don't find any signs of life anywhere else, on anywhere other than on this Earth. I think it's very unusual. Number two, but what about these these things that people see and all? I do believe that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. I do believe that this war in heaven that the Bible speaks of, the angels were cast out, Lucifer was cast out. Some are so fierce, they're reserved in chains. I think others are wandering this earth looking for somebody to move into. Thus, we have the idea of demon possession. I do not believe a Christian can be demon possessed. There's a movie coming out uh, pretty quick in the next couple of weeks, I believe, uh, out in Jesus' name, but it's all about Christians being demon-possessed. I call it bogus. I do not believe any of it's true. You find no instances in the Bible where Christians were demon-possessed. This is all simply made up pipe, and I think it's very, very crazy. Well, yeah, look, but we have videos of it. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. You see, the problem is, is that we have, we're believing more now in feelings and our thoughts rather than what the Word of God says. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If in the Old Testament, and the Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God would not allow the the priest only once a year to come into the Holy of Holies, if there was any sin in him, God would smack him down. 
And if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, why would God allow a demon to live inside of us in this temple that possesses the Holy of Holies where Jesus Christ lives? It doesn't make any sense. Now, can Christians be oppressed by the devil? Well, sure. Do we need to sometimes be prayed over for those things? Yes. But as far as a Christian being demon-possessed, that is not biblical. It is not scriptural. Uh, and you find no instances of that in the Bible ever anywhere. Now, again, going back to other life forms, I believe what a lot of people see. Now, Paul says, don't be surprised if the devil can transform himself into an angel of light. Well, could he transform himself into a silver saucer? Very possibly. But I do not believe that we have um, these other life forms from other planets. But I do believe that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and I believe that there's a lot of things the devil does to mislead people. Your thoughts, John? Well, when it comes to a, a scriptural passage, Julie, concerning you know other life forms, it, it takes me, first of all, to Genesis, Old Testament, chapter 1, where it says, God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then there's a description of all of the things that God created and that he said were good. And there is no description there of what God created as it relates to other life forms. Then you come to the New Testament in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 24 through 26, and it says that God, who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And then verse 26 says this, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. It just seems that God, he didn't create anything else other than what he created that was described in Scripture. So I, too, would not believe that there are other life forms, but I do believe that demonic spirits can often attempt to deceive people and lead them astray. And Jesus died, the Bible tells us, for mankind. He died for his creation, which is mankind. That's the only ones that he died for, was mankind. It doesn't say he died for mankind and other life forms. No, it just refers <laughs> to mankind. And so no, no other life forms out there, Mike. Hope that helps, Julie. Thank you. God bless you. Stay online if you like. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it. Again, this is why I tell people we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There have always been those that come along and try to disprove what the Bible says by saying, yeah, but look at this evidence. Well, then they really examine the evidence and find it's bogus. It's made up. It was made to spoof people. You know, you look at the uh, the uh, evolutionary chain of the monkeys, and then they stand up a little bit taller and a little bit taller and find the very last one is a guy in a business suit. Every one of those, the Piltdown Man, the Neander, all those are all phony, phony, phony. What the, I think it was the Piltdown Man. They built the whole whole skeleton from the tooth, and then they found out it was from an extinct pig. This is the this is the lie that people will go to. So remember, science uh, is is uh, only true if it's proved, and uh, otherwise they make it up. And if, certainly when we come to the evolutionists, all they need, well, just throw a couple more billion years at it, and then it's possible. Well, it isn't possible no matter how much time you throw at it. 
You see a building, it has an architect. You see a car, it has a mechanic, a builder. You see the world, it had a creator. It just follows logic. Stay on the line, we'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Mark, Palm Springs. Hi, pastors. This is Mark in Apple Valley. I was calling to ask about Second sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eleven and twelve. And it okay. talks about You're... that God is going to give everyone that doesn't believe before the rapture a strong delusion to believe the lie, and that they would be condemned. And my question is, who would be left after that? Because it's not going to be a very long period of time. You're going to go pretty basically into the tribulation after that. So who are going to be all the millions of martyrs that are accepting Christ during that period of time if everybody that was here beforehand are not allowed to accept him after the rapture? Okay, your thoughts. Well, first of all, Mark, thank you for the question. And I would, first of all, refer you to the beginning of that chapter and even the first letter, First Thessalonians, where Paul talks about specifically the rapture of the church taking place before the tribulation. But then what you, when you come to Second Thessalonians, what Paul is talking about here, he goes back to this subject. And I believe that in the first part of that second chapter, that Paul talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to be with him, that before, before, that, before the Antichrist will come, because that's what he's describing here in chapter 2, that there's going to be a removal. There's going to be people that are taken out of the way. And I believe that that is a reference to the church. The church is removed, and then after the church is removed, then what you find is there's nothing restraining this Antichrist. He comes onto the scene, and suddenly he's deceiving people, and, and they're given over to a strong delusion. They believe his lies. He is the devil incarnate. And so the church is taken out, because listen, if the Antichrist came before the rapture, the church would say, there he is. We know who he is, but I believe the influence of the church, the working of the Holy Spirit, working through the church is removed, and then it makes way for this man of sin, this son of perdition, the devil incarnate, to show up, and then he comes with, with lying wonders, and he's, he's basically empowered by the devil himself. And there will be those that will be deceived. They'll be given over to that strong delusion. And then concerning the martyrs, those are, are the ones that are going to believe after the church is taken. They're going to realize we missed it. Everything that they were saying on CSN, everything that the Bible says uh, in Scripture, we missed it. We should have believed. And I believe that those people are given over to that delusion. Some of them are, and then some of them are going to believe, and they're going to end up losing their lives, Mike, during the tribulation period if they're going to be saved. Because, listen, you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you take this mark. And the only way to avoid it is, well, Mike, you're going to have to lay your life down. I always tell people, lay your life down for Jesus now. Choose to serve Jesus now, because if you can't serve him now, you're going to have a real difficult time serving him then, Mike. Yeah, so um, again, I think it's pretty important that that we understand that that there are people that have hardened their heart towards the Lord, uh, that I think this is what this is applying to. But there's also those that uh, perhaps haven't heard all about the Lord. And, of course, you have some supernatural things going on 
During the tribulation, you have 144,000 Jews that are evangelists. Uh, they're in service to God, the Bible says. You have angels flying through the midst of heaven, warning people not to take the mark of the beast. You have the two prophets in the streets of Jerusalem. And I believe those are the ones that may hear the word of God and say, yes, this is true. And I believe those are the ones that are referenced in Revelation 6 and other places in the book of Revelation. Mark, I hope that helps. Thank you. Stay in line, Mark, if you like, and send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think things you'll really, you'll really like. But you know, uh, again, Mark, thanks so much for the question. Because you know, this time of, uh, the rapture of the church, I believe is very close. Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you begin to see these things, look up your redemption draws nigh. And I believe that again, as we're seeing more and more manifestations of the words of the Bible now coming to pass, coming to fruition. Jesus said in Luke 21 that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Jerusalem is under Jewish control and the capital of Israel. Who would have ever dreamed such a thing a hundred years ago? And so when you understand that these things all came to pass, in fact, when Jesus made that prophecy there in Luke chapter 21, it was under Roman control. It was a ridiculous statement then. Then in 70 AD, this general comes in, named, a Roman general named Titus, levels the city of Jerusalem, burns it with fire. It's gone, gone for centuries, laying in the rubble. Well, Jesus made a ridiculous prophecy, didn't he? <laughs> no, no. In fact, the city was rebuilt. And it not only became half the city of Jerusalem belonged to the Jews in 1948, against incredible odds, they got the other half of the city in 1967. And then Donald Trump recognized it as the capital of Israel. Now, again, friends, this was amazing fulfilling biblical prophecy. So we're seeing all these things come to pass. You can't buy or sell without the mark, name, or number on your hand or on your forehead. Last January, Joe Biden signed into law digital currency that is supposed to destroy the American dollar. Absolutely. Not conspiracy. Look it up. It will end the dollar. Oh, it's going to do away with all the drug cartel money, blah, blah, blah. Hey, listen, they don't care about, they don't care about crime, friends. This is to control you. If they control, cared about crime, they would control the southern border where fentanyl is coming across the border, killing 150 Americans every day. But no, they don't care about crime. They want to take away your guns because they care about crime. No, they don't. They want to control you. And by the way, the way they want, the reason they want to take away your guns is because what they're going to do to you in the future, you're not going to like. Guaranteed. Following textbook, Adolf Hitler, 1933. Amazing. People don't learn, but those that are wanting to take over do learn from them. We're out of time. Hey, John, thanks for being on. Look forward to being back with all of you tomorrow. If you didn't get on, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Until then, to God bless you and good night. This ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 